All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Good to have you here today. Happy Friday to those of you that are live streaming. I uh, appreciate you being part of this podcast. Please don't be shy. Join in the conversation if you're live streaming with us. Ask questions, comment, and um, ultimately take advantage of the opportunity to interact with myself and our guests here on the live stream. And uh, we'd look forward to that. For those of you that are not live streaming, make sure to subscribe at Boca Podcast on Instagram and really all the other social media channels. And uh, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live stream. And again, come be part of the show, if you will. And uh, on that note, actually, I'm privileged to introduce to you a brand new guest on the show today, George Bernardes. Did I get that at least somewhat close, George? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're there. You're there, Nathan. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we, were, we were discussing foreign languages and pronunciation of words a little bit before we get started. And uh, I appreciate the, um, I guess, the direction, a little bit of direction. I need that sometimes. And I'm curious, George... We have to start with this. We didn't talk about this beforehand. The Star Wars theme seems to be quite strong, and I have to get a little bit of backstory oh, yeah. from you on that. What's that about? Um, I've always been a big fan, and um, I think Star Wars has been a big influence in my life because I believe a lot in um, right and wrong and the idea mm. of right and wrong and what mm. that might be for each person. And I, I believe a lot in the connection between people and I mm. think Star Wars is basically about those two things, the ideas of right and wrong and the connection between what we see in the characters, et cetera. So it's, wow. it's one, of my, one of my hobbies, honestly. And you're going deep with that too. That's, that's not, <laughs> I'm not used to when people talk about Star Wars or Star Trek, at least in American culture, they're, you know, it's just kind of a, like a hobby almost. It's like just something that they get really excited about. They like the, the art or they like the music or they like the, it, 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 fantasizing, I guess, about what it would be like to live off of a planet, but but you're going deep on kind of the the moral no side because of I I, th I think it's actually something that's quite uh, constant throughout Star Wars is mm. this idea of uh, big important decisions that you make in your life and how they affect your life. So I, I've always enjoyed Star Wars. When I was a kid, I admit I'll, I enjoyed it more because of the lightsabers and the spaceships. <laughs> but then I started reading into the other stuff, right? And it kind of made sense to me. Interesting. Okay, so did you... When was the first time that you saw the movies? Like, how long ago? Oh, I was... If I had to guess, I was about four or five. So this was... 87 or 88. Okay, cool. And I believe the first one that I saw was Return of the Jedi because I remember the Ewoks distinct, distinctly in that one. Okay. So. Huh, that's wild. Well, I, I love the little bit of insight. I, I noticed um, the picture, of course, for anybody who's seen the thumbnail for today's show, you'll see the Star Wars t-shirt there. I get maybe we have some similarities too here, George, and that I'm I tend to wear the same T-shirt or same type of T-shirt all the time. Uh, not the same one. I do wash my clothes, I promise. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like that there's a theme there. And for those of you or for those listening in or streaming that don't know you, I want to go ahead and pull up your, your website here as we're talking. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But Carpe Momentum Photo, uh, just like it sounds, yeah. but photo spelled with an F, F-O-T-O dot com. And, uh, and then the same exactly. thing on Instagram as well. And of course, we'll link to both in the yep. show notes at bocapodcast.com. George, if you will, do me a favor and just introduce yourself and your brand briefly to our audience if they don't know you. Sure. Um, I'm a Portuguese photographer. 
Um, I focus mainly on weddings and families. And I live in a city called Leiria, which is about halfway between Lisbon, which is the capital here in Portugal, and Porto, the second biggest city. So it's a very convenient place to be so that I can move around back and forth. And basically the name that I chose, which Nathan mentioned, is very hard to say because it's I, I when I was starting out, I decided to choose a name that was meaningful, but in Latin, right? Mm. Um, because I believe in the, the power of memory and uh, how memory defines us as we are as people. Mm. And so I, I thought that capturing moments, which is basically what car, carpe momentum means in, in Latin, would be a good, good name until I started saying it to people. Because <laughs> then it gets really hard to explain. No matter if you're English or Portuguese, yeah. it becomes really hard to explain. So do you think in the long run you'll maintain the brand, or the, the name, or do you think you'll change it to something else? I, I've thought about it, um, but if I was planning on changing it to my name, for example, it isn't exactly the easiest name to say or spell, even in Portuguese, right? Because mm. my last name is sort of uncommon here in Portugal. Mm. Um, so it wouldn't be much better. And I really like this idea of, of capturing moments and recording them in, uh, in images. So... I really like the name that I chose at the yeah. beginning. I think and it's fun as like a concept. Were, yeah, I, I think that too. That's why I chose it. <laughs> but I understand when people go like, what did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I have to explain it. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes. Of course, I have it up on screen for anybody who's live streaming, carpemomentumphoto.com. And um, make sure that you follow George there on Instagram at the same handle. And uh, let's just kind of get into it, George. It's, there's a couple of introductory questions that I've been asking our guests as of late. And the first has to do with sustainability because this podcast ultimately, I mean, mm -hmm. we talk about different aspects or elements of running a photography business. At the end of the day, what's most important to me is that I help photographers build sustainable businesses, i.e. businesses that don't burn them out in the process, right? Yes. It's very easy to get caught up in all the busy work as a sole proprietor. And yet the reality is if we put the right systems in place and certainly have the right intention driving those systems, that we can both run a successful business and have a bit of a life as well. So I'm curious if there's yep. an idea or principle that's enabled you to do just that in your business. I, I agree 100%. And I think that the, um, the main idea behind this um, is trying to stay organized. And of course, this is going to be different from person to person. But for me, um, having in mind what my next critical actions are, to move my business forward on a day-to-day -day basis is very important so that I know what's coming up next, what do I have to do. That allows me when I start the day and I sit in front of the computer, because as you and I know, we do we photograph outside the studio, right? But we mm -hmm. do spend a lot of time in front of the computer. And when we sit down, if we know the main things that we need to do on that day, we'll probably be able to get them done quicker more efficiently and we'll have more time free at the end of that day after those tasks are done to do other things like enjoying time with our family, going for a run, etc. So being organized, I think, is a very, very important thing. And as I said, this can be a lot of different things to different people. Yeah. Some people like the simple to-do list and sure, that works for some time. But sometimes you have to look at more, a little bit more complex solutions to eventually 
uh, optimize your workflow, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's and we're lucky that we live in a world where there are a lot of different solutions that we can choose from. We're actually going to be talking about CRMs in particular here in just a little bit. Yep. And of course, that's one way that we can help organize and streamline our workflow as a, as a business owner. But it's also easy in some cases because we have so many options and we have such great technology in 2023 to get lost in those options, right? There's this paradox yep. of choice. And the reality is at the end of the day, and this is something I've realized more and more as I continue to age as an entrepreneur, is that it's there are kind of the basics that do most of the heavy lifting and all those fancy f bells and whistles and the features. They're great at times. They can help. Exactly. But mm -hmm. we can also get lost in the fanciness and not just go get the work done with the basics. True. True. I, I don't know if you've ever used something like Trello or Notion. Mm -hmm. um, I use those tools and mm -hmm. I used Trello, for example, before I started using a CRM. And basically I was doing a CRM inside of Trello. But I use that as an organizational tool. But like you said, if you start getting lost in too much detail, then it doesn't become effective. It, you need something that's simple and easy to use, easy to put into practice so that you can keep, uh, continue to become more and more efficient at what you do. That will get you more time at the end of the day. Agreed. I do have one quick follow-up question here though, because and mm -hmm. this is, I'm totally projecting and assuming here, but you just really strike me as a, a very intuitive, kind of emotional, expressive, artistic type. And, and I know that a lot of photographers can relate to that idea. And naturally, they're not, they don't tend to be as organized or as structured. So when you talk about organization, mm -hmm. maybe consciously or subconsciously, they just kind of write the idea off because they're like, oh, that's just not who I am. Did that come naturally for you? Is that something you had to kind of learn over time? I, I, I think this... Um, is, a, is a little bit of both. Uh, naturally, as a person, some people are more organized and some are more chaotic, let's say. <laughs> sure. um, and uh, I remember that, for example, for me as a kid, I don't remember being very chaotic. I mm. remember leaving my, my times of study for the last minute before the test, sure, but a lot of kids do that. But in general, I had some structure. My mom helped me keep um, help me keep things in order, right? Yeah. Um, and gave me a good, a good, um, good idea of being of what being organized was. Mm. But then, as as I move along through my life, I, I realize that uh, in certain situations I need more structure. And going back to what you were saying, I think that some creative people. Um, tend to think that because they are creative, if they take measures to organize a part of their life, they will lose that creativity. And I think it's actually the opposite because if you want to have time to be creative, then you should organize everything that is not creative, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if there are things that you do repeatedly and there are the really not creative at all, right? right? Then why why not organize those and make them happen quicker so that you get more time free to do your creative things that you love to do? So when I, I was in the military and back then, um, my life was even more structured and organized in terms of day-to-day -day than it is now. Sure. But when I left, I felt that necessity of keeping organized the things that were not creative so that I could have time to be creative somewhere else. 
There's a phrase that that um, Jill, who produces this show, and I will say to each other quite often these days, which is both and, right? It's very easy to get sucked into one mindset or thought process or perspective mm -hmm. and then fixate there. I mean, as, as human beings, especially in, again, modern culture, there's just so many different moving parts, so many different things going on all the time. So we naturally try and kind of gravitate toward a simple idea and, and get stuck there just because it's simpler to keep up with, right? Yeah. We kind of feel safe and a little bit more stable there. But the reality is that's not how the world at large works most of the time. It's both and. It's not black and white. It's gray. And keeping an open mind to the benefits of that mentality, that you can Absolutely. both be structured and creative, that you can both be disciplined and an artist that's somewhat chaotic, that you can actually do both and it has benefits, in fact, more benefits potentially by maintaining both, is a really important concept, I think, for all of us to remember. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Because the, the, the fact that you're organized in this, in this part that doesn't really matter creatively will ensure that you have more time to enjoy the, the time that you're being creative and creating yeah. different stuff, right? Yep. Love it. Moving on from that, um, when we talk about efficiency in business, a lot of that is, it kind of goes back to something I already alluded to, which is that we realize there are kind of core principles or ideas that do a lot of the heavy lifting for us in business. And to that end, I'm curious if there's a big idea that has made a massive impact in your ability to grow and build your business as well. Yeah. Um, in, in my opinion, one thing that we need to continue to do throughout our lives is learn. Continuous learning is, for me, one of the most important concepts that we can have in our minds, even when we're talking about business growth, because especially if you're a solopreneur, a person that works basically by themselves, um, you, you'll find out that you need to do a lot of different things. So eventually you'll need to learn to do these things. And if you want to do them better, you'll need to continue to learn, right? Uh, I was talking to you before the show that I, I started a YouTube channel and basically I started to learn stuff about filming recently because mm. I wasn't filming with my cameras, I was just photographing. So that's a little bit of my recent continuous learning. Um, I think about, for example, when I started photographing weddings and I wanted to get better pictures of the dance floor at the end of the night, right? Uh, that involved that I need to learn about flash photography. I needed to learn a, a new system to use multiple flashes to get the idea of the photograph that I had in my mind on, uh, on my sensor, right? So if you close yourself off to learning um, because you're set in your ways and your business is running smoothly, then you're eventually limiting yourself because you're not going to continue to evolve. And if your business is not growing, then eventually it'll stagnate and you'll start decreasing your, your business. So the, in my mind, the way to avoid that is continuous learning so that you can mm. continue to grow even if you decide to change the area that you're growing into. Right? Yeah. Recently, for example, I've been thinking more about video and uh, here in Portugal. Oh, sorry. I lost my camera there for a sec. <laughs> Speaking <Sorry>. of. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's still something that I haven't learned, which is how to get around the 30 minute limit on the, on the R6. Oh, okay. So I'm still learning into that. 
but I was saying uh, here in Portugal, I've noticed that there's um, there's a, always a need for videographers for weddings. And in terms of photographers, it's easier to find someone to photograph your wedding. So sometimes I, I wonder and I question myself, should I grow into this section? Should I grow into videography instead of photography, right? And that gives me, gives me a different option, a different thing to think about for my business. But just so I understand correctly, you said there's, am I understanding what you're saying in that there's a shortage of wedding photographers there? Is, is that what you're that's, suggesting? That's, uh, it's a shortage of wedding videographers. Videographers, okay. In, in, in my idea, I think it's relatively simple for you to find a, a photographer here in mm. Portugal and you can find lots of good photographers. Okay. Um, but to find videographers, it's always a bigger struggle. And normally, the, for example, the videographers that I work with, I, I don't have anyone working for me directly. So we're all freelance, right? Mm. And sometimes I have couples that want, a, want video as well on their wedding day. And I'll contact my peers, the guys that I know, the people that I've worked with, and they'll say, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And I hear I am busy a lot. Mm. So that's what leads me to believe. That's the experience that leads me to believe that it's harder to find a videographer than it is to find a photographer. Interesting. So as both as it relates to that conversation, just the general conversation around growth and looking for the opportunity for growth, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a massive subscriber to that very idea. In fact, one of my 12 values that I prioritize in my life is just that growth. And this is true for my mm -hmm. personal life and my relationships, relationships in business, the way that I'm learning how to become a better business owner, an entrepreneur, a manager, a CEO, uh, in my health and how I'm pushing myself there, I enjoy growth. The yeah. big caveat, of course, that there's always opportunities, even this videography conversation, there's always an opportunity to do something more, to grow into something more. But then the kind of fine line, the, the so-called balance between that growth, but then when the growth actually takes us away from being able to put as much focus as we need to in the things we're already doing, for the sake of continuing to get sure. better there. You know, it's, it's, I mm -hmm. mean, again, we're super lucky to be in a, in a world where we have all these options, but how do you decide personally how to filter what to focus your time on and, and not focus your time on? I, I, I think that there's, um, you always have to have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself the right questions. Um, and I've talked about this before. Uh, when I left my job in the military, basically I left because I had for some time the, the feeling that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, mm. right? And that came from the fact that I was asking myself, do I still enjoy this? Do I mm. still want to do this? Or do I want to do something different? And sometimes when it comes to growth, I think that if we come across this idea of eventually switching lanes, as it is, right? Um, we need to ask ourselves, do I really enjoy what I'm doing or could I eventually switch and enjoy something else more? And I think that comes as part of growth itself because you need to continuously ask yourself and evaluate if you like what you're doing, the way that you're doing it, right? Because even when it comes to efficiency and using your time, basically you have to ask yourself the same questions, right? Am I spending too much too much time working, or would I prefer to do something else with my time? So basically, it all comes down to that: to asking yourself and having that honest conversation with yourself if you're really doing what you think you should be doing and if you're enjoying it. 
do you, so just to push back a little bit, if, if we're, if mm-hmm. our decisions about what we're spending our time on are based on what we enjoy or don't enjoy, I mean, I enjoy watching Netflix occasionally, but I'm not going to go do that for six hours a day just because I enjoy it. Right. Or take sure. another example that I actually hear a lot from photographers is I do my own editing cause I like to edit. Okay, fine. You like to edit. That's great. But it's also taking, you know, 16 hours a wedding to edit your photos and meanwhile, you're not spending time doing things that could actually grow your business. You're not spending time with the important people in your life. You're compromising those relationships under the guise of you enjoy editing. So is it really, can we really make decisions based on just what we enjoy? Or is there a kind of, do we have to dig a little bit deeper there? Sure. When I say things that we enjoy, I enjoy watching Netflix as well. But I know... <laughs> I know that I can't spend my life doing that because right. nobody's going to pay me for that one. Right? <laughs> okay. I still have to keep in mind that I have a business to run. I want that business to be su- successful, right? So when when I think of stuff that I enjoy, I think, for example, on the business side, um, would it be easier for me and enjoyable for me to get work as a videographer? versus as a photographer, for example, right? Because it it could be a business decision in which I decide, okay, so there's a lack of videographers around here. So I'll move into video because I enjoy that too. And eventually I'll make a bigger, uh, have a better income because of that decision as well. So it's never just what you enjoy, like you were saying, I think there's, there's some more thought behind it, but Sometimes there are decisions that are simply based on what we enjoy. So, for example, if we decide that we do not want to work more than six hours a day, let's imagine. Why are we deciding that? Because we enjoy going to the gym for a couple of hours. We enjoy being home early to be with our family. And we give importance to those things, right? Sure. And we know that we might be compromising a little bit in terms of income because mm. sometimes I won't have enough time to do another job. Yeah. But I'm, I'm compensating myself because I'm getting something that I really enjoy out of that time, which yeah. is the time that I spend with my family. So, well, and that goes back to something we... No, it is a balance, but I I think I I like that approach, which is driven by, we're going back to values again, right? What's important to me, time, Mm -hmm. relationships, uh, and the list could go on. And it does depend on the individual, but starting at that place of values, kind of deeper values, and letting that act as a filter for what we're spending time on, that makes a lot of sense. And something else I've said to photographers many times over is if you're, you know, you, you might say, just random number, want to make a half a million dollars a year. That sounds great. But if it takes 80 hours a week to do that, at least from my perspective, that defeats the purpose, right? So exactly. maybe I'm good with 150 grand a week, but I'm working 30 hours a week, which then gives me the time to, yeah, pursue other hobbies or interests to go spend time at a charity, to spend more time with my friends and family. And the trade-off is there, but the trade-off is that decision about the trade-off is made based on the deeper seated values, not just how I feel in the moment. And, and this is true for me in my business, and I'll give you a very simple example. Um, my objective is to photograph 20 weddings a year. And I'm not a high-end photographer. I'm not the most expensive photographer in Portugal by far. I would say I'm like halfway, halfway along the range in terms of pricing. Um, but my objective is to photograph 20 because with that number, I've come to the idea that I can do 
one wedding per weekend, mostly during the main wedding season, right? And I can edit, deliver everything on time and still live my life to a satisfactory, um, in a satisfactory way, spending time with seeing my friends, spending time with my wife, working out, all those things. And that compensates for me the fact that I'm not doing 50 weddings a year as mm -hmm. some of my colleagues are. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to get that much money, but mm -hmm. I'm getting other stuff in return yeah. for my time. That makes sense. And and I think this is a great conversation for everybody listening in. Some a few people might be like, I thought we were going to talk about CRMs. Actually, the principles that we're discussing right now are quite relevant to the conversation around why CRM matters and how to even utilize it. We're starting with those deep-seated values that drive what we do on a day-to-day -day excuse me, day-to-day -day basis as an individual first because we are human beings first. Our business just happens to be something that we do, right? We're human beings yeah. first. So what is it that we want out of life? And let's start with a set of values, ideals, principles that that motivate us, that we re that we know bring us joy and fulfillment on a much broader level, big picture view. And we start with that and then that will help determine the decisions or help us make decisions more effectively as business owners, certainly including how we spend our time. And so I think this is a great segue into the conversation around utilizing a CRM to kind of get our lives back, to have more freedom and flexibility as business owners. And maybe before we get into like kind of dig into CRM specifically, let's just talk more broadly about organization. You brought this up at the very beginning. Will mm -hmm. you define organization from your perspective? What, what you think about when you hear that word or see that word organization? Sure. Um, for me, being organized is, has to do with having a clear idea of your processes and your systems to help uh, get you to your objective. And for me, the objective uh, is that I want my work to be consistent and I want to deliver, deliver it in a timely manner. And I know that in photography, delivering your work in a, in a timely manner is a very, can, can vary a lot depending on what you do. Um, but for me, in terms of wedding photography, it makes sense. Okay, for me, it's acceptable for a, a photographer to deliver their work up to three months after a wedding. Um, I can even see it. It's it's for me, it's undesirable, but I can accept it if it goes up to six months. But anything over six months in terms of delivering the photographs of a wedding for me, that's that for me is a, a sort of a sign uh, that there's some disorganization going on mm. in, in that business and mm -hmm. that. Of course, there's there's stuff that can happen to you in life, right? Um, death of a relative, I don't know, a bunch of bad things that can happen to you that can force you out of your routines and eventually make something like this happen. But when there's nothing of a major event in your life that happens like that, the birth of a child or something like that, um, if nothing like that happens, then why are you taking so long to deliver these things. For me, the fact that you're consistent and you can deliver stuff in a timely manner is how you show that you are organized. And to be organized, you need to have a process defined, right? Something that you can repeat and a system to help you put that process into practice. Okay, I was starting to take notes here as you're talking because now we're really getting into it and I'm excited about this. So, and it, granted, I'm a little bit of a nerd about workflow, but but uh, I think this stuff really 
to our earlier conversation, it matters to the creative, maybe even more so for the sake of giving them that freedom to be able to focus on their craft. They've got to be at least somewhat organized in some of these baseline areas. And so when we talk about the idea of establishing processes, I can imagine this is one of the most important components of strong organization. That was my next question. And you actually told me ahead of time three uh, that you were going to mention of the most important mm -hmm. principles of strong organization. I'm taking notes here and I hope everybody else is too. Uh, what are those three principles? So basically my, um, my principles are in terms of being organized is simplification. You need to um, simplify the idea of what you want to do into, uh, into steps so that you can get to the next principle, which is systematizing what you're going to do so that you can repeat it, right? And then the, the other principle for good organization comes after these two, which is to analyze what you've done and go back to the beginning, right? So basically, if you decide what you want to do in your simplification um, stage, in your planning stage, right? Um, okay, I want to edit these uh, photos of the sweating efficiently, right? And have them delivered in three weeks. So what do I need to do to be able to deliver them in three weeks? I need to, as soon as I get home from the wedding, um, download the pictures off my cards and duplicate them that night. The next day, it's probably gonna be Sunday, so I'm going to rest. And on Monday morning, I know I'm going to call through the images and start editing at least the the preview that I'm going to send the next day right so this is my this is part of my system because mm. I have decided previously what I want to do right and now I got something I got a tool my system itself to help me um, do the things that I want in the order that I want and at the end of each time that I complete this process, I'm going to look at the process, see, okay, what went right, what went wrong, and can I adjust the process in any way? So basically those three principles for me are the, an important part of being organized. Okay. And this is really good. I, I love the simplicity and practicality of it, speaking of simplicity. And so let me go back to that first point about simplification. Mm -hmm. I think about simpl simplicity or simplification as minimizing the number of moving parts or necessary moving parts. Is that what you're referring to here when we're talking about being clear about the things that we need to achieve? Are, are we starting first um, by getting rid of the stuff that we don't need to achieve? Or is it more just about clarity about what we're trying to achieve? I think it's more about clarity of what you want to do because your your system that you use to do what you want to do can be simpler or more complex depending on what you want right but you need to define it clearly uh, in a simple way for yourself at least uh, in the beginning right that makes sense um, so I, I think it's more about clarification than it is reducing the number of moving parts okay so, so clarity probably Clarity is probably a better word for, for that than simplification. Oh, but that, that's great though. I mean, I, I, I still think I, I can very much relate to what you're saying about uh, on a very simple level, understanding what needs to be achieved, but clarity of goals is, is kind of the way that I re, yeah. uh, reworded it on my, on my notes here. So clarity or clarify goals or clarity of goals, understanding mm -hmm. what needs to be achieved. And then the second step is to systematize it. And you're talking about coming up with a list of steps required to accomplish each of those tasks 
or goals sure. um, that, exactly. that have to be accomplished. And we're doing this for the sake of not just randomly approaching that individual task in a different way exactly. every single time. Like we're actually trying to list these steps out, figure out what's what's required, what's not. Maybe one or two things can be kind of moved around and we get to a place that we have a system, i.e. A, a series of steps that we can repeat regularly to accomplish that particular task. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, when I talk about creating a system, it's exactly that. It's basically creating a checklist. Okay. Um, I, I didn't mention this before, but when I was in, in the military here in Portugal, I was a pilot in the Air Force. And as you probably know, pilots are big on checklists. Right? Yeah, yeah. What type of planes did you fly? I, I flew all sorts. I flew F-16s uh, wow. when I finished my pilot training. And then I went back and I flew the slowest plane that we have in the Portuguese Air Force to do training for the cadets at the academy. So no way. I went from the fastest to the slowest. It was a fun change. The F-16 was but, my dream plane as a kid. I, that was just like, oh, I'm still oh, kind did, of obsessed with it. Did you watch that movie Iron Eagle as well? Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that that's kind funny. of a, that's a little bit of a reach probably for most mainstream culture. That's probably not something that everybody has heard of. But yeah, Iron, Iron Eagle is the one, isn't it, where the, the, the high schooler and plays the yeah, music? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, exactly the, the one with, okay, the, with okay. the tape and the, with the, the Walkman in the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is cool. Yeah. And by the way, my dad's a pilot as well. So I've spent a good bit of time uh, in planes and understand at least the basics. So very much I can understand the importance that you're referencing of checklists. And, and probably even a lot of mainstream culture understands before that uh, commercial jet that they're flying in before that takes off, they know the pilots up front are kind of going through a checklist before they actually pull that plane, even out of the gate. Exactly. You, you don't want to forget anything important, right? Mm. So that's why the checklist exists. And when we're creating a system for ourselves, basically we want to check that we, we do the right thing at the right time. So basically creating that so that you always do it the same way will inadvertently increase your efficiency, right? We know that if we repeat a task a certain number of times the same way, we'll become better at it. That's why we know how much time the toaster takes to get our uh, our bread ready in the morning, right? We're doing our coffee while the, <laughs> the bread's in the toaster and we know when it's going to pop because we've done yeah. it a bunch of times. Yeah. So that's a little bit of efficiency working as well, right? Mm -hmm. In your day-to-day. By the, by the way, I have to pop this up because Patrick on YouTube said Iron Eagle with Louis Gossett Jr. Absolutely. So somebody knew about the movie besides yeah. just the two of us. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. And by the way, I have to give a shout out too to Sue uh, chiming in from YouTube. She says, hi from Sun Valley. Thanks for hanging out with us again today, Sue and Sharonda as well uh, on YouTube. Thanks again. Yeah. And thank goodness it's Friday for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's been a relatively long week and I know everybody's looking forward to a little bit of a break, but thank you all for joining. And for those of you that are live streaming, don't be shy, comment, ask questions as we go along here. But uh, my apologies, George, please continue. It's okay. Um, so basically we were talking about the, um, the creating the system gives us the how to do stuff, right? Right. How am I going to do it every time? So that I can do it reliably and right. efficient way. And, and then, then and then you go back to that idea of the kind of the analyzation. So you're going back and actually reviewing your process. How is this something that you're doing on an annual basis? Are you doing this quarterly? How often are you going back and reviewing your systems to refine them? For sure, for sure on an annual basis. Normally I do this and I actually talked about this in one of my YouTube videos. Sorry, 
to your listeners, but my YouTube videos are in Portuguese because there's not enough content on YouTube in Portuguese. So I do those in Portuguese. Sorry, Smart. guys. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I did a video talking about stuff that as a photographer I do at the beginning of every year. And this is one of the things I do. I go back into my CRM and I analyze my workflow and see, okay, have I in certain instances made changes throughout the year to certain steps that I want to implement, implement now full time because I think they work better, right? And I do this at the end of the year for sure. That doesn't mean that I can't do it halfway through the year if I think it's important to change in that moment. But for sure, it's something that you should do at least annually. Fair enough. Okay, that's good. I, I don't think it's something that I, for, for somebody who maybe is more naturally inclined to workflow and reviewing workflow, and I'll mm -hmm. raise my hand on that one again. It's, it's something I enjoy because I do enjoy the, it's, it's fun to try out new tools and systems and workflows. Yep. I do enjoy the results that I can get from that of making my day-to-day -day workflow easier, maybe more interesting, enjoyable. Uh, but it's a good recommendation, I think, for everybody. Uh, listening in and yep. watching to take the time at least once a year, ideally during a slower season where you have the time to really sit down and literally just list out everything that you're spending time doing and then break each of those individual items out into their own lists. And, you know, exactly. before you even do that, we can take the time to get rid of the stuff that's not necessary. And then what we have left, systematize each of those items and look for opportunities to refine those systems. I think that's that's really smart. OK, well, I want to take this and then to a CRM. Uh, and okay. kind of translate it to a workflow with the CRM. Let's start first just about, I mean, because there are, again, multiple options out there to choose from when it comes mm -hmm. to CRMs. What are a few kind of big features that most photographers, especially if they're getting either getting started looking for a CRM or maybe they're just frustrated with the one that they're okay. currently in, what should they be looking for in a good CRM? Well, um, I think there's, there's something to be said about CRMs that are complete. And when I say that they are complete, uh, I mean that they're not just um, building a workflow as a list of steps in, that you basically just tick off. Uh, in my opinion, that's not what you want from a CRM. You want something that's more complex than that because you want your CRM to be able to do some stuff for you that you don't need to put your hand in personally every time like sending some emails, um, sending contracts to be signed, sending uh, quotes and invoices, right? Sending payment reminders. You can automate a lot of those and save yourself a buttload of time um, by doing those automatically. So that's one of the things that people should look for in the CRM. Will, will it be able to do these simple things for me and save me the time instead of me just ticking it off and then doing it manually? Right? That's not what you want. And besides this, I think it should be flexible because, uh, like I said before, when you create your system, you can choose to create a more complex or a simpler system. Depends on what you want. Um, I have colleagues that use the same CRM as me and that use it in a very simple way. They use it mainly for the interactions that they have with, the, with their clients uh, to send the emails, the, the contracts, the invoices, etc. For me, I use it in a more granular fashion because I like to have my own tasks assigned to, to the workflow. For example, yep. I was talking about downloading the cards after the wedding and duplicating the, the pictures into another hard drive. Yep. I have those things on there because that helps me see 
exactly where I am in the process of editing that wedding, right? Or of delivering that work. So basically it should be flexible because it can allow you to build your workflow the way you want it with the steps that you want instead of being something rigid that you can't really change, right? Mm. Um, if possible, it should integrate with other stuff that you use once again to make your life easier. So I'm thinking of Google Calendar, for example, um, in my CRM, the one that I use, and we're going to talk about it. Um, I use Studio Ninja and it integrates with the calendar. So whenever I get a, um, a lead for a certain date, it pops up automatically in my calendar. I know that it's there. Whenever I get another lead that's on the same date of something that I already have booked or uh, another lead, it warns me that there's something else on that date, right? So basically it, it integrates with the Google Calendar that way and also integrates, for example, with PayPal to make payments easier. It integrates with PickTime, which is something that I use as well so that I can send a gallery link. Yeah. So basically all those things make your life a lot easier when you're if you're looking for a crm and you find one that has all the stuff that you need then you know you're going to be saving a lot of time and as you were talking there i did pop this up on screen so anybody who is listening and didn't get to see that um, if you go to studio ninja.co mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll bring up the website one more time here and of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocopodcast.com. But studioninja.co is the website. You can go check out information about that particular CRM. Um, okay, so the principles, and again, I'm, I'm kind of writing these down, taking notes as you're talking. First of all, the, the importance of the CRM that you're looking for, its ability to be able to handle common tasks. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, the ability to be flexible and that you can kind of customize it to your workflow. I like that. Yeah. And exactly. then the ability to integrate with other applications. Another one that came to mind too. And I don't know, is, is Studio Ninja have a pretty extensive accounting system built in or can you just tie it into QuickBooks? You can, there's integration with um, Zero, I think. Okay. I'm not sure now because I, I, since I'm in Portugal, we have our own uh, financial system here in terms of uh, IRS, et cetera. Mm. So it's, it's very uncommon for uh, a software that's based outside of Portugal to actually work directly. So basically, I do send invoices to my clients through that, but those are not valid legally here in Portugal. I have to use a different, um, just a, a little website to do my legal invoices here in sure. Portugal. But it's, it's good in terms of showing the client what they've paid and what they need to pay still. So... Um, I think what you were asking about is, for example, um, for photographers that are subcontracting second photographers, second shooters, or videographers, etc. And in this case, Studio CRN, uh, Studio Ninja is probably not the best one because it doesn't have that part. I know that some others out there have that. And I've talked to a photographer friend of mine actually recently that he did not want to switch. He did not love the one that he was with but he did not want to switch because he needed that part. He oh, wanted to keep using that part from his other CRM. Because one of the other things that I, I think people should look for when they look for a CRM is to check that it is being updated, right? Any that piece of software, behind yeah. This, yeah, that the people behind the scenes are still working on it. Yes. Because otherwise, you'll eventually get to a place where you're 
you're stuck in those tools, right? So and true. From what I've seen, Studio Ninja has been very good in terms of continuously updating their tools and dealing with eventual bugs that sometimes arise, but they've been adding stuff. And for example, they, they now started adding, um, they're finishing the beta testing on uh, um, online booking. So basically you'll be able to use within Studio Ninja something like Calendly. Makes to sense. Book your sessions, et cetera. So that's it's so funny you mentioned that about server. software updates because I that's one of the things that I do even if I'm just downloading an app for my phone I, I'm gonna go into the app store and I'm gonna look and see what their their version history is and see how when's the last time they updated this is this something that's actively yeah. being worked on the other thing I'll do and I, I'm again a total nerd but I like I'll go and look and see how long the company's been around too because a CRM is a big investment to make not necessarily financially unfortunately it's actually quite affordable but you're talking about a lot of time to get set up initially, or at least some, some bit of time to yeah. invest in the process of getting set up sure, initially. Sure. And if I'm going to do this, I don't want to find out in six months that the CRM is going away or it's no longer being developed. Yeah. I want to know that these yeah. guys are in it for the long run. Um, and you, it's why I don't think I've heard. What's that? You definitely don't want to change CRMs every six months. No. <laughs> so yeah, I, well, I, you're absolutely right. And there is a brand, I won't mention names to throw anybody under the bus here, but there was a, a relatively well-known CRM in, in our industry. Uh, it was really kind of the first big one, actually, uh, that, I, that I can remember from years ago. Uh, they, some friends of mine started it, and they started it, got off the ground, did really, really well, and then it got bought maybe once or twice. And the people that ended up with it just weren't actively developing and updating it. And you had these photographers that were stuck in that system and so frustrated, but they had so much data in there that it was hard to walk away from yeah. it as well, right? And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think your your suggestion, though it may seem a bit fringe to some listening in, if you're not used to doing that, it's actually a really great one. Make sure that you're working with a company who's actively developing, and that's really smart. But to this conversation about the complication of setting up a CRM potentially, and I know some are e easier mm -hmm. than others, uh, can you just maybe give us some some suggestions as to how we can go about minimizing that that so-called pain of setting up a CRM so that yeah. photographers can get started if they're not currently using a system or if they need to move to a different system? How can they do that more efficiently? Okay. Um, and I've, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, and this is one of the biggest pain points when it comes to CRMs. It's the initial setup. Um I think that Studio Ninja does a good job because whenever you you sign up with them, they actually send you emails to book a call with you and help you set up initially, which I think is wonderful. It's what I did. And after that call, I spent, I think, three full days doing nothing else except putting my stuff into Studio Ninja mm. to get it ready to, to work. Um, so one of the, the key things that I... I think photographers should remember when they're setting up a, studio, uh, a CRM is any time that you put in, you will get back tenfold in the near future, right? Because sometimes people are like, oh, no, I don't have the time for this right now. And um, you've talked about a number of times on the podcast about the, um, the time matrix uh, by Stephen Covey that he talks about in the, um, the seven habits of highly effective people um, and prioritizing your tasks according to what is important and what is um, urgent, right? Mm. So setting up a, a, a CRM is never an urgent task, right? Mm. So people tend to put it off 
Yeah. Right. I'll do that later because they're like, I don't have the time for this right now because they don't realize how much time they'll be saving just as soon as they finish setting it up. Right. That's but it. I, I understand it. It's a, it's a big step initially to take and to make the decision, but rest assured you will get that time back tenfold. I'm sure. Um, when you actually start doing it, I think that the first thing that you should do is if you've never used a CRM before, get out, get a piece of paper, get a pen or a pencil and start thinking about what your workflow is, what you normally do, right? So from start to finish, that is from the lead stage, from when somebody contacts you to book a wedding or a session, et cetera, what's your next step? Probably the first step is going to be reply to that email or make a phone call if you prefer doing the phone calls, right? So that's your first step. And then you start thinking through it and, okay, what do I normally do next? If they don't reply within two days, I send them another email. Sure, that's your next step. So basically you can write this down on a piece of paper before actually trying to put it into the, to the CRM. That way you have a good place to start and a reference on a piece of paper that you can look at while you're doing the thing. So I think that's, that's the big first step is actually writing down your, your workflow in a more or less organized fashion, right? Yeah. And, and I, maybe while we have the opportunity just to comment on that, I think that part of the, well, really the main reason a lot of times that photographers won't dig into workflow is the very reason I, I don't think I've heard it framed the way that you just did before, which is that it's not urgent. Like I can run my business. I can get by my head, maybe just barely above water, but I can get exactly. by if I don't put this system, this workflow, if I don't learn this piece of software, if I don't do this right now. And, and then combine that with just, again, this kind of assumption that, you know, workflow is nerdy and I'm an artist and, and all those other kind of narratives, you mix that in. And it just continues to get pushed off forever and ever and ever and ever. And what is yep. missed is exactly what you highlighted, which is the benefit on the other side, the time savings. I mean, you know, on, on like a, really a multiplication level of time savings, two, three, four, five X, the amount of time or a fraction looked at it the other way, a fraction of the amount of time that you need to spend on your day-to-day -day workflow because you have those systems in place. But there's that there's just that barrier, kind of mental barrier that they've created from, for yeah. themselves of taking the step then to put that system in place. And I cannot encourage people enough. I, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm an outlier here, but just as another example, I have I use Evernote. Are you familiar with Evernote software? I am not. I'm not. No. Okay. It's, it's a note taking app on a very simple level, but it's also mm -hmm. document storage, at least for me. And that's, I've got, okay. I think at this point, well over 17,000 documents in this piece of software that I've been using now for a decade plus. And part of, part of how I got started in that was that I, I had loose contracts, receipts, um, documents in a filing cabinet, old school, like paper stuff, right? And folders and that kind of I thing. I think we all started like that. Right? right? So it, it, I, it started by literally sitting down. I'd turn a show or movie on or something. I got a scanner. And Fujitsu was the scanner that I happened to use back in the day. This is before it was as commonplace to just scan something with your phone. So I'm, I'm literally feeding documents through the scanner, scanner for, you know, spent a number of hours doing this and clearing these filing cabinets out. Long story short, what I now have is a essentially a second brain. I can reference yep. this information at any point. 
not only that, um, I've actually been audited by the IRS a couple of times. And as stressful as that might seem, it was actually very easy for me to basically just click and share this folder of receipts and tax related documents with my accountant and just say, here you go. And they're able to go review it. If something needs to be tweaked or adjusted, we can do that. But it, that type of thing becomes much less stressful, takes less time because you've taken the time to put the system in place up front. So exactly. yeah, can't stress That's it exactly enough. exactly it. Yeah. Um, so one, one other thing that you can do uh, when you're setting up a CRM, right? Um, we're always worried that it's not going to be perfect. And this advice is in general, right? Whenever you do something the first time, it's not going to be perfect. So just do it. And so the first time you set up a, a, a workflow, you might forget something. You might forget to add some step that you actually normally do, but you didn't write down on your piece of paper. That's fine. Because if your uh, CRM is flexible, you can take that workflow that you built first and adapt it or improve it or add steps, right? You can go to the right place and put the step that you missed right there. And so you can update your workflow as you go. And like I said, I normally do this annually in which I look back, okay, do I really like working this way? Do I want to change it? Um, but in Studio Ninja in particular, you can have your base workflow and even for a specific client, if you're using that workflow and you decide that you want to add another step, because for example, they booked a trashed address session after the wedding, right? Which is not very common, but they decided to book one. You can add that in after the fact mm. and you're not messing with your main workflow, but cool. you can add that in, right? So there's always adjustments to be made and they are possible. So don't stress about not getting it 100% right the first time, right? And the last thing in this that you can use eventually to help you avoid the pain associated with setting it up initially is you can hire someone to do it for you because there are people out there that have become expert in these systems and they have a service to, to do this for you in the, in the beginning, right? I'm, I'm in the process of creating my own service for, for this. And I already have the emails prepared and everything prepared for Portuguese. And I'm eventually thinking of doing an English version of that. Yeah, do but it. Basically, you can, um, you can hire someone to uh, connect to your system, to your CRM, for example, through something like LastPass, in which you can uh, allow access without actually sharing your password. The person can go in, which is what I do, set up the workflow, set up the emails, and you'll have a basis to start working on instead of having that initial trouble of creating everything the first time around. So basically what you'll do is you'll skip that first, um, that first workflow, building that first workflow, and then you can just move on to adjusting that workflow that was put in to exactly what you like. You can adjust the text on the emails to sound more like you right? You can adjust the workflow and add steps or remove steps according to what you like. And that saves you a lot of time in, in the beginning. Love that. Okay. So I'm again, taking notes here, my notebook, just scanning back through the first point that you highlighted, which really is so important. I know we've stressed it over and over again here, but it can't be missed. And that is to have faith in the benefit of systems, implementing systems, what you save on the other end of those systems. It may take a little bit of time up front, but yep. there's a two, three, four, five X, 10 X, uh, return on investment, if you will, 
if you're willing to put the time into setting the systems up. So this is important, just generally speaking. The other thing, and this is what I meant to get to earlier and I just got carried away. You talked about the importance of outlining workflow on paper or otherwise before mm -hmm. actually putting that into the CRM. And what I love about that is the specificity of intention, clarity of intention, um, and even just taking a step back further from that awareness of how are you even used to spending your time? One of the things that I recommend to exactly. photographers is literally to, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, list out everything you do on a day-to-day -day basis, personally, professionally, yep. and essentially create some kind of accountability, awareness, self-awareness of how you're actually spending your time. And that enables multiple things after the fact, I won't get into that, but that level of awareness, if we've taken the time to list out the steps in this particular workflow that we think we're carrying out with our clients on a regular basis, and we're like, oh shoot, I didn't realize I was also doing this and that's probably not necessary, but this, maybe I need to add this thing in. We can create kind of what you were talking about earlier, that reevaluation of the workflow in the process of outlining that workflow, which I think is really, really great. Number three, um, and, and I love this too, because I need this reminder, don't worry, it doesn't have to be perfect. It, there is, you can, you can update or modify or course correct later on, just get started. That's the most important thing is to get started. Yeah. I think we all need that reminder. I think it's a yeah, really, yeah. really important one. And I, I do that one for myself all the time because of my <laughs> YouTube videos, yeah. because since I'm just starting out, I'm always like, oh, this is going to look terrible. It's not going to be great. I, I didn't, I, I choked up. I didn't say what I wanted to say. It's fine. I'm just going to do it and get better on the next one. That's it. And, and, you know, to, to the earlier conversation about growth that there's, we can always continue to get better, but it, unfortunately, it doesn't really matter the culture. I don't think it's, it's just, it's very easy for people to talk about what they're going to do and to, you know, even to dream big, which is great, like dream big, but then, yep. then what, like, what are you going to do about that thing? What's that first step that you're going to take? You've got to take that step at some point. And no amount of preparation will necessarily make you feel perfectly ready. So you just got to go ahead and go yep. for it. Uh, yeah, I, I just love that. And then number four, and I, I love that you're creating a service for this. Hire somebody to set up the CRM for you. Here's, of course, the significance of delegation. We talk about time management, efficiency, and workflow. The, really, probably the biggest time savings is in delegation. And so the ability to be able to delegate yep. that out, um, I think, is is really, really great as well. We did have a couple more comments. I'm going to throw this in uh, here, George. And then before we go, I want you to share how our listeners can get in touch with you. Larry said that okay. uh, he was U.S. Air Force and loaded ordnance on the F-16. So we've got some uh, fellow oh. F-16 aficionados here. And uh, nice. Anna says, go Portugal. looks like we've got a, another oh, that's Portuguese Anna. photographer. Yeah, I know well. her. I know her. Yes. Awesome. Shout out to Anna. So I appreciate Hello, everybody Anna. listening in and streaming with us today. But George, back to our conversation here. And I, I just have a lot of respect for you. I could tell you've got your stuff together, super organized, and obviously wanting to help photographers. And so to that end, you haven't asked me to do this, but to that end, I'd love for you to just share with our listeners how you're involved uh, with Studio Ninja and how you can help get them set up in a CRM if they don't have one that they're currently really stoked about. Yep, uh, Studio Ninja has a um, an ambassador program. Basically, they've chosen a few people spread out around the world that are using the the software, and basically, we're we're the people that test new features, like I was saying, the online booking, and we give feedback to Studio Ninja for them to do updates. And we have the advantage of having a, a very nice referral code, which gives you 50% off the first year subscription to Studio Ninja. So that's a great deal. And I can send you the code so you can put in the show notes if you want. And besides that, um, I, I think that the, the fact that we work so much with a program and that we can 
give feedback on how it's built to to the people building it. it gives us a lot of knowledge about the program so for me it's now relatively simple to set up a new workflow i know exactly where i need to go i can do that as a task in, a, in an efficient way and i realized that a lot of people that i talk to here in portugal about the this this software the main uh, barrier is always the setup it's not necessarily the price that they're going to pay in uh, here in portugal our our incomes are a lot lower uh, just so you have an idea the the minimum wage national minimum wage here in portugal is around uh 700 uh, euros mm. close to 700 it's more or less the same right now so in terms $700 of dollars per per week per month, per month per, per month wow per month. wow yes yes okay. that's the minimum wage so basically if you're working in a checkout counter at yeah. a supermarket or something like that that's probably around about what you're earning per month okay Whoa. so when you talk about investing 250 dollars per year in a software like this, it becomes a more significant investment here in Portugal than it is for somebody, for example, in the States or in sure. Australia, right? Yeah. But still the barrier that I see most is people saying that I don't have time to set that up right now. So that tells me that people are interested in it, but the big difficulty is the initial setup. So that's why I came up with the idea to do this for other people. And there are, There are other photographers in Australia and other places already doing this as well. They're providing a service in which they set up your CRM initially, and then they give you instructions so that you can adjust it to exactly what you want. Very cool. Okay, so I guess very simply, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they want to get help getting that all set up? If they want to uh, get uh, talking to me about this, they can contact me through the website that you showed before, through uh, Instagram. I can chat them up in, in English easily. Okay, <laughs> perfect. So if, if you want to try French, I'm working on my French. I okay. don't promise that I can that I can talk to you in French, but English is fine. <laughs> All right. Um, and they can visit the website and add slash Studio Ninja which is there both in Portuguese and in English so that they can have a, a look at the description of the service that I'm providing. Perfect. Yeah. So and you know what? I'm just going to go as, as we're talking yeah. here. I'm if you just can show it, that'll that be great. Yeah, really, really quickly. In fact, um, we'll do this here. So just slash Studio Ninja on, on the end of yeah, your... Yeah, all together. Mm -hmm. Cool. So for anybody listening in, if you go to Carpe Momentum Photo, F-O-T-O.com slash Studio Ninja... Um, you can log in there and click on, if, if you are only fluent in English, you can click on that yes. little click flag. Click on the flag. Yep. And uh, read in English, but that's great. Okay, cool. So we'll make sure to link to this in the show notes as well at bocapodcast.com. Really simple layout, easy to understand information. And we'll put all of that in the show notes. George, this has been a lot of fun, man. Um, and I have it to has. say, I'm still geeking out. I'm still stuck back on F-16. I think we're going to have to have some conversations about flying here after we jump offline. Sue actually commented. She said, hi, fellow pilot, Learjets, Falcons, and Hawkers. Wow, I didn't realize we had oh, all these pilots listening in. It's a lot of yeah. stuff. Very, very cool stuff. Patrick said, great show. Thanks for your time, George. And uh, yeah, I would echo that Thanks again. For Thanks for watching. Thanks so much for making time for all of us today. Everybody, make sure that you go follow George. Check out the show notes at bocapodcast.com and uh, have an absolutely wonderful day, wonderful weekend as well.